Good to see you this morning. You glad to be here? Man, why don't they do the, the time change on like Saturday instead of Sunday? Man, I tell you what, uh, this morning I got out of bed and I, I dragged myself here. I told the first service, I, I feel like I got tied up in a rototiller is what I feel like, you know. And y'all, you don't know what a rototiller is, but it ain't good to get tied up in one. And I couldn't, I couldn't hardly focus, couldn't see. I need toothpicks to prop my eyes open, you know. Nathan, would you bring me some coffee? No, no, I'm just kidding you, man. No. But you know what? The praise team sang, and, and this place was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm feeling pretty good now. How about you? You feeling good? All right, man. Now it's my job to make you feel worse again. So, not really. Hey, last week we introduced our new building program, and the theme that we've chosen is it's our turn. And you know what? It is our turn. Uh, people back in the 1960s believed it was their turn to start this church and to build the very first building. Then in the 1970s, other people felt it was their turn to build more buildings for our church. They did it in the 80s and 90s, and now it's our turn, all right? It is our turn to step out in faith and do something great for the kingdom of God. I ended the, the service last week. Uh, with this challenge. Remember, we were in the book of Esther. Uh, Miss Gell and I, that's our favorite book of the Bible, love the story of Esther. And uh, remember, Mordecai told her, go in to the king and plead for your life and my life and all the lives of the Jews. And Esther said, well, if I go in there and the king is not pleased with me, I, I'll die. He'll, he'll kill me. It's only if he, he reaches out his golden scepter that he will receive me and I can ask this favor. And Mordecai said, well, <laughs> either way, you're dead, you know. So go in and beg for our lives. And she said, I will on this one condition. If you gather up all the other Jews, that is in our setting, if you gather the church up, and y'all pray for me and fast for three days. At the end of that time, then I will go in before the king. And my challenge at the end of the sermon last week is that we pray together as the family of faith. We know it's our turn, but you know what? Nothing happens without prayer. Okay? And we need the power of God, not only in our lives every day, but how much more so in this season of growth for our church that we need the power of God. And that only comes through prayer. And so my challenge was every day, let's pray specifically that God would do these things in our church. And then it kind of got me to thinking, well, you know what? How should we pray? I mean, how, how do you pray? Is there anyone who can teach us how to pray? Well, yes, there is. Okay. One day, our Lord Jesus preached an impromptu message on prayer. Very simple little sermon that had three points to it. And today, I want to read you his sermon. It's found in Luke chapter 11. And then I just want to make a couple of comments about the sermon that Jesus preached on prayer. So I'm going to read this story out of the New Living Translation. Here it is in Luke chapter 11. Are you ready? It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. 
And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. He said, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing to give him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because, and here's the reason I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation, because of your what? Shameless persistence. Wow. And so I tell you, keep on asking. And you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. And for those who seek, they will find. And for those who knock, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, will you give them a snake instead? Or if they should ask for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How about a big amen for that? Amen. Amen. And Heavenly Father, we pray for the Holy Spirit today. We pray for His presence and His power in this room. Lord, teach us how to pray and how to be persistent in our prayer life. And then, dear Lord, may we claim this great promise. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Charles Allen, the great Methodist preacher, once made a comment about this passage. And here's what Charles Allen said. Now, the disciples had often heard Jesus teach But they did not come to him and ask, Lord, teach us to preach. They had often seen Jesus heal the sick and perform miracles. But they didn't say, Lord, teach us how to heal sick people and how to perform miracles. No, it was the simplicity, the tenderness, the effectiveness, and the power of his praying that so impressed them that one day they came to him and asked, Lord, teach us to pray. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad they asked Jesus that question because Jesus gave this awesome little sermon in response to their question. It only has three points, so let's just use Jesus' points to talk about prayer today. Number one, Jesus gave us a pattern for prayer. Let me read verses 2 through 4 once again, but this time I'm going to read them out of the old translation, the King James Version. He said, when ye pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as is in heaven, so in earth. 
Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Now, Jesus had previously composed this prayer and given it to us in a more lengthy version in his first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And I suppose this is the prayer that Jesus frequently quoted when people would come to him and ask him questions about praying. But here's the problem I have this morning. The problem I have is in conveying to you the impact that these words had on Jesus' very first listeners. Problem with us is we've heard this too many times. We heard it over and over and over again. To us, this is just a traditional prayer that, that one quotes in the presence of other people. To us, this is historic liturgy. To us, this is simply historic Christian observance. We know it as the Lord, Lord's Prayer. We've been able to quote it since we were kids. But you need to understand that to the people of his day, this was radical. What Jesus just taught them was revolutionary. And in their opinion, it was very irreverent. It was contemporary to the point of being offensive to them. The people were shocked when they heard Jesus pray this way. Oh, my goodness. Did he just, and they got on the phone that afternoon? <laughs> Look at it again. He said to them, when you pray, say, our Father. And there's the first problem right there. They didn't pray that way. They did not pray to God as Father. Do you realize what a radical departure this was from the accepted tradition of praying for Jews in the day of Jesus? And you know what? It was an Old Testament thing. You go all the way back to Genesis chapter 15. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. But Abram said, Oh, sovereign Lord. Notice how Abraham addressed God. Oh, sovereign Lord. Other translations use the word, Oh, Lord God. That's a far cry from calling him father. Hmm? It really is. What about other Old Testament people? Well, David probably prayed more to God than, than anyone else recorded in Scripture. We have more of David's prayers than we have of any other singular individual in the Bible. And you know what? Not one time did David address God as Father. I, I went back and studied. I read. Not one time did he call God Father. It was always, O oh Lord, or oh Jehovah, or oh God. In fact, church, I went back and studied the entirety of the Old Testament, and there are only a handful of times when God is referred to as Father. And even then, in those occasions, it is exclusively almost to convey His authority and His discipline. Am I boring you? I don't want to bore you, but I, you need to see this. In fact, let me give you these handful of occasions. Moses said in Deuteronomy 32, 6, 
Is this the way you repay the Lord? Oh, foolish and unwise people. Is he not your father? Is he not your creator who made you and formed you? Proverbs 3.12 tells us that God disciplines us as a father would discipline a wayward child. In Psalms 2 and Psalms 89, we are told that the coming Messiah would call God his father. There are two references in the book of Isaiah to God as father and three references in the book of Jeremiah to God as father. Malachi 2.10 says, Have we not all one father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane his covenant? And then in Psalms 103 verse 11, we have a rare and almost exclusive picture of God in his role as a compassionate father. It says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And that's it. That that is all the Old Testament has to say about people referring to God as Father. The saints of the Old Testament were not comfortable in referring to God as Father. No, it was too familiar. It was too irreverent. It was too presumptuous and even too disrespectful. And then all of a sudden, Here comes Jesus. (laughs) Wow. And without shame, without hesitation, without restraint, in his very first sermon ever publicly preached, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus called God Father more times than in all the 39 books of the Old Testament. That is amazing to me. In fact, he called God Father 42 times in Matthew, three times in Mark, 17 times in Luke, and a whopping 110 times in the Gospel of John. John chapter 5, verse 17 gives us an idea as to how upsetting this was to the people of Jesus' day. The verse says that, that Jesus said, My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father and making himself equal with God. So they wanted to stone Jesus for calling God his Father. And now, in Luke chapter 11, what is Jesus doing? He is teaching his disciples. And he is teaching them to call God their Father. Look at me. But he is. He is. Friend, if you have accepted Jesus as your personal Savior... If you've prayed the sinner's prayer and invited Jesus into your heart, if Jesus has forgiven you of your sins and his blood has covered your life, if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and Jesus is your Savior, then God is your Father. He is your Heavenly Father. 
And the Bible says that you can cry out to him, Abba, Father. And he hears your prayers. But even more than that, there are vast implications that Jesus points out here in our text today which come into play when we realize that God is our Heavenly Father. Skip on down to verse 11. Jesus says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? Or if your son asks for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? Of course not. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to him who asks? Do you see the implications of that? Now, guys, I'm, I'm going to come back and talk about this thoroughly at the end of my message. But just, just think about this. What is God saying? Here you are as, as earthly human people. You're sinful. You're, you come short of, of God's standard for glory. You, you, you make mistakes. You're imperfect. Yet even the worst of you, if your son asks for something to eat, you're not going to give him a snake or a scorpion. Right? None of you would do that, right? Let's hope not. How much more is our perfect heavenly father to us when we ask him? Wow. Now, having given us permission to refer to God as father, what then does Jesus suggest we pray about? Well, he, he says that we are to ask our father very simply, very humbly, very intimately for five things. In fact, in fact, he gives us five basic prayer requests that we need to pray about every day. Five things to pray for. Number one, we need to pray that God's name be honored. Okay, That's at the very beginning of our prayer. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. And can I suggest to you that any time you pray, you need to pray to God and give him praise at the very beginning. You need to praise his name. You enter his gates with thanksgiving. You come into his courts with praise. Holy is your name. So that is the first thing we pray, that God's name be honored. Number two, we pray that his will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This morning as I was driving to church, that was one of my prayer requests for you and for God and for our day today. Lord, I prayed May your will be done in heaven, uh, in earth today, as you have already pre-described in heaven. And, and, and you're maybe sitting there thinking, well, well, isn't that the way it works? N not necessarily. I mean, God has a perfect day for you lined out today. God has lined your day out. He's written it down in heaven. This is what I want for Jason Nichols today. And he lists all the good things he has for Jason. Everything. That's God's will in heaven for Jason. But you know what? God has also given us a human will. And we are free to either choose God's path or our path. And so it's imperative that we pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. And I pray that for you today. That God's will would be done in your life today. As he has already pre-described it in heaven. That you would flesh it out. It's a second prayer request. Third prayer request comes to our own needs. Lord, would you meet our needs? It says, give us this day our daily bread. 
Basically, he's just saying, you know, you pray that God take care of you today to give you what you need today, physically, what you need today. I'm reading the book of Proverbs every night, a chapter every night. You know that. It's my third time through this year so far. And, and I remember this passage that, that the, 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 the writer of Proverbs says, Lord, don't make me poor or make me rich, either one. I don't want to be poor because I might sin. I don't want to be rich because I sure would sin. Just give me enough. And I think that's what he's praying for here. Lord, take care of our basic needs. Number four, that our sins be forgiven. Forgive our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. And let me look at me. Yes, you do mess up. Yes, yes, you do occasionally. Sin is a choice. You don't have to sin. But occasionally we mess up and we sin. We need to pray that God would forgive us. But along with that, we need to be forgiving other people. Whoa, preacher, don't go there. I'll, I'll wait and preach a whole sermon on that, okay? Just come back for that. And then number five, we pray that our lives be pure and lead us not into temptation. Keep us away from the tempter. Lord, keep us away from the evil one. Did you know that virtually every prayer request that we ever make would fit into one of those five categories right there? This is the pattern Jesus has given us for prayer. What a good idea. I just had this idea this past week. What a good idea to, to take a notebook and to make five columns with these five prayer requests and then pray from those columns every day. Wouldn't that be great? Okay, you design that, and uh, I'll take the credit for it. <laughs> what, what a great way to pray. But notice, too, that the pronoun is plural. These are not just me, my, and mine. It says, give us, lead us, forgive us. There is the implication here that our prayers are to be intercessory in nature. We're not just to pray for ourselves. We're to pray for other people. Now, let's get into the middle of this paragraph. For having given us a a pattern for prayer, he also gives us a parable about prayer. Suppose you're in your house one night, Jesus said, and you've finally gotten everybody to bed. Now, back in Jesus' day in Palestine, most people lived in a one-room house. And at night, they would just move everything away against the walls, and they would lay down mats and, and blankets, and everyone would sleep together in the room. The parents would be in the middle, and the children would be around them. And here is a man, he's got a big family, They've got, he's got kids from little bitty to, to older, and you know what a task it is to get kids to go to sleep. Well, Angie and I just went to see Ella Jane, and uh, man, isn't it amazing how a little four-month-old baby can just change everything, you know? And, and it, it, I was just flooded with all these memories, you know, it, it, it took all four of us to get Ella Jane to go to bed, Okay. <laughs> She's not been sleeping. I'm, can I just share some grandpapa stuff with you? She, you know, she's not been sleeping all night long. And, and so on Friday morning, Angie went with Whitney and they went to the pediatrician. And, and Ella Jane is, she's above the scale and everything. She's just, she's, she's perfect is what she is. And, and, and the pediatrician said, you know what? She's, she's just four months old, but you can start feeding her cereal now. And so, you know what we did Friday night? 
I mean, we all got around in, in the kitchen, and we mixed that cereal up, and, and, and uh, Tyler's holding her, and Whitney's feeding her, and Angie's uh, videoing, and I'm making comments. And I mean, it was, a, it was a big deal, wasn't it? It was, it was just great, man. It was awesome. And then we finally got her to sleep. Why? Because we don't want to wake that baby up. Are you with me? And Jesus is saying, that's you. You, you. you finally got everybody to sleep, and you just you yourself just dozed off. Isn't it great when you just doze off? I mean, just, and you, you fall asleep. Are you with me? Some of you, some, your neighbor has just done that, so give him that. Let's wake him up right now. And then all of a sudden, you hear that. And it, and it wakes you from that initial sleep. And, and you, you look around to try to get your bearings and, and you hear it again. And who's on the other side of the door? It's that cotton-picking neighbor. You know, the one that lives down the street that never mows their grass. That has the loud Harley. It's that guy. And he... Hey, hey, hey in there, neighbor. I need your help, bud. I just had a visitor come. He's hungry and I don't have anything to feed him. I need some bread. And you're thinking, oh, dude, no. No. Stay in your lane, bro. You know? I love that. I just had to throw that in. It doesn't fit, but I had to throw it in because I love that. Stay in your lane, bro. You know? Leave me alone, bro. And, and, and you don't want to yell because the kids, they're stirring now. And so you, so you whisper as loud as you can, go away. I just got the kids down. No, I'm not going to get up. But he ain't giving up. He just keeps knocking. I read someone who wrote, this man's friendship was not a strong enough incentive it was not a strong enough motivation to root this man out of his bed but the insistent barking did the barking knocking i got one of those dogs too <laughs> that knocking did the trick it wasn't love or loyalty that won the day you know what it was it was persistence and that is exactly what Jesus is teaching us by this parable. He's saying you keep on praying. You be persistent. In fact, the word that is used in the New International Version is the word boldness. I will tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. The New King James uses the word persistence. And the Old King James uses the word importunity. We, we don't use that word. Most of us don't even know what it means. But it sounds good. Huh? The Greek word that Luke actually used here is a word that denotes shamelessness. And that's why I read it out of the New Living Translation. He was shamelessly persistent he didn't care he didn't care if he woke up his neighbor's kids he didn't care if he woke up the whole neighborhood he didn't care if everyone thought he was crazy he was not going to be denied and so he kept on 
knocking. Now the point is this. Jesus said, and listen to me, Jesus said, that's the way you ought to pray. You don't give up. You stay persistent. God doesn't answer. There's a reason why. It doesn't mean you need to quit, quit praying. You keep praying. You be persistent in your prayer. You pray this way with shameless persistence. And when we pray that way, we have a promise that we can claim. Having given us the, the pattern of prayer and this parable about prayer, Jesus ends his sermon with this awesome promise. Look at verses 9 through 13. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be open. Notice that Jesus gives us a promise. And just to make sure we don't miss it, because sometimes we miss it, just to make sure we don't miss it, he repeats the same promise how many times? Six times. What does he say? Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And he who keeps knocking, the door will be opened. Six times. How many times? Six times. And if that were not enough for us to get the point, he ends with this little command and story. Verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? <laughs> no way. No way. If you then, though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, how many daddies do I have out there? How many daddies? You know how it is. We, we were just in Dallas for two days. Uh, Whitney's been on us saying, you, you all need to come see Ella Jane. She's not even going to know who you are. You need to come see Ella Jane. But last weekend, Whitney and Tyler moved out of their apartment into a house. They had a mover come and move all the furniture and all the boxes. That was last weekend. She, she called us every day. Y'all need to come and see Ella Jane. I think she really did want us to see Ella Jane. But, but she has a house full of boxes too. And so, so we get there, and, and uh, Angie just jumps right in, goes to work, and, and, and helps unpack these boxes, and Ella Jane's crying, so you know what I do. I got to take care of the baby. We go on a walk, and that 35-minute walk, y'all got three hours worth of work done in 35 minutes, didn't you? And then, then after I got back, Whitney, my oldest daughter, 30 years old, said, Daddy... I've heard that before. <laughs> Daddy, I was going to ask Tyler to do this, but I hope they're not watching. Turn the video. <laughs> I don't know if Tyler can do that. Daddy, come, come here and let me just show you, Daddy. 
we go into Ella Jane's room and there's a baby monitor in there. And she said, this, this camera, I want, I want it right up there in the corner, Daddy. So I can watch her all the time, Daddy. And, and it needs to be this way, Daddy. And it needs to be done like this, Daddy. And I want it just like this, Daddy. Could you do that? Yeah, I can do it. And you're asking me to. So my vision is on getting that thing up there. Now, she's limited in supplies and also in tools. So I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to pull this off? There's a Lowe's right down the street. So I spend the next 45 minutes at Lowe's talking to like everyone who works in there, trying to come up with some idea to hang that apparatus like she wants it hung. And we could come up with no ideas. But you know what? I was shameless in my persistence because my baby had asked me to do something for her Abba father daddy I need help guys I don't want you to misunderstand there have been times I have told my children no that same daughter when she was a college student at the University of Arkansas called me and went Daddy, would you buy me a little moped so I can go around the campus? No! There is no way I'm going to buy you a moped. You will kill someone or be killed. But can, look at me. If, if I can do something they need done, come hell or high water, I'm going to get it done. We, we bank automatically now. Our checks are sent to the bank, so I don't get to go to the bank every day and see the employees there that I've known for 21 years at my bank branch. They all know me. They know my name. They know who I am. They, don't, they, they know my account. They can pull it up. I've banked there 21 years, but I don't go every week. Now I only go, and when they see me coming, they start laughing, and they say, which kid needs money this time? <laughs> no lie. They do. Which, 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 which account are we dumping money into today? But you know what? They're my kids. And they are my responsibility. And I love them. And I will do anything I can do for them. And you know what? I'm imperfect. I'm sinful. I make mistakes. But my heavenly father is not. You know what? When I come to him with outstretched arms like a little baby, Abba, Father, I need you. I need help. Help me. He's not going to say, go eat a snake. Go play with a scorpion. What's he going to do? He's going to do to me just what I did to Ella Jane when she reached her little hands out to me. He's going to pick me up and provide for me. But you know what? I can't end this sermon without being literal with what Jesus is saying. What does Jesus say? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, guys, let's put this in context. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, he's the third member of the Trinity. When do we receive the Holy Spirit? When we get saved. The Holy Spirit moves into our life. 
But did you realize that the Holy Spirit is the one who dispenses the gifts of God? He's the gift giver. And we need to be asking God every, God, fill us with your spirit. Give me all there is of the spirit of God. I prayed that this morning. I pray it every day. Lord, I want all there is of the spirit of God. Fill me from the inside out. And I know he answers that prayer. Y'all know the name Oswald Chambers? He wrote that devotional, My Utmost for His Highest. He said when he was a young man, a young Christian, he felt barren on the inside. And he got to thinking, you know what? There's got to be more to this Christianity than what I'm feeling. And and he talked to other people and looked at other lives. And he said, no one else had it. And I know that I didn't have it. And he said, I came to the conclusion, if that's all there is to this Christianity, what I have, if that's all there is to Christianity, he said, "Then, then it's false. There's got to be something else. There's got to be more. So he said after a meeting one night, an evangelistic meeting, they they broke off into small groups and there was a lady in charge of their group. And she she didn't say anything to him. She just said, y'all need to pray. Just get out on your knees and pray. And she gave him this passage to read, Luke chapter 11. And Oswald read the passage. And then at the end, she sang a song. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. And Oswald said, you know what? Right then, I made the decision that I'm claiming Luke chapter 11, verse 13. I'm asking the the Father to give me all there is of the Holy Spirit. He said, I claim that promise. I kept it as my promise. But he said, the strange thing, nothing happened. Nothing changed. I still felt the same. I still thought the same. There was no evidence of a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in my life. I was the same. And then the very next day, someone asked me to speak to a group of people about Jesus. So I stood, and I taught them about Jesus, and I preached the Word of God. And at the end of my sermon, 40 people came and got saved. And he said, "Woo! there's something different about my life. You know what? That may be the way it is for you. You may feel no different, but you know what? When you have the Holy Spirit on your life and you're directed and led and filled with the Holy Spirit, it will be noticed by others. And the Holy Spirit, who is the giver of God's good gifts, will bless your life. So, Heavenly Father, I 